episode number 441. I just want to say thank you so much for rocking with your boy. And most importantly, I don't know if you guys know, but I do have four businesses that help me do what I do each day. The first one is our foundational business. That is Real-Time Outsource. That is realtimeoutsource.com. We can help you boost your digital presence in seven days a week, folks. We're working with our clients for them on their behalf. So take advantage of our team and let your social media thrive in 2024. And that leads into my second business, which is realtimereputation.us. This is a business that I was sitting down with a customer. We were talking about their software that we could use to possibly power his reviews and so we did eventually white labeled and now have our own software to help you power your business and get more customer feedback and online reviews 24 hours a day easy with an email list or a phone list realtimereputation.us take advantage of it folks and my next businesses are my passion projects they are my loves And I want to see them thrive and grow this year. I love podcasts. That's I-L-U-V podcast.com. This is our podcast agency where we can help you get your your voice in front of the right people. We're using audience strategies, booking services, our podcast marketing services, and our podcast review strategies. We can not only help you get your podcast to that next level, but also help you get booked on three, five, eight shows every single month and make it easy for you to focus on what you do and help us take our network and extend out your voice to them. And my last one, which is my favorite and my baby, and that is dreamsportscars.com. Dreamsportscars.com. What do you dream about? And we have searched the most craziest uh you know cars across the globe from baseball basketball pokemon wrestling ufc and the list goes on we're also on whatnot daily that is dreamsportscars.com we have on ebay and whatnot daily with three shows a day and most importantly i hope you guys are having a great day and thank you if you don't connect with them quickly or you're saying everything that everybody else is saying because they're making the same guesses, right? you're just going to be in the white noise abyss, right? Mm. You're not standing out in any, any meaningful way. Welcome to the Be Real Show with Travis Tutal and Hoff, where we talk about life, dreams, social media, and business. Well, hello and welcome. To the Be Real Show with Travis, too tall and huff. Folks, I hope you guys are having a great day. And I hope this podcast fires you up today whenever you're listening. Nights, weekends, mornings. You can listen to podcasts pretty much any time of the day while you're driving at the gym, etc. But today, I think you're going to want to think about your buyer's persona. Whether you're mostly in B2B marketing, let's be real. We got to figure this out. We got to know what the buyer is, where they are. Uh, you know, the the changes and trends of the buyer is constantly happening, let's be real, uh, with AI as a, uh, a helpful tool for many industries, but also a, a disruptor. But bottom line is the persona of the buyer is so important with your marketing because if you're just blatantly shooting at the wall, uh, you know, you're wasting money and you're not really attracting the right buyers. And I, I don't know everything about it. So we're bringing an expert, Mr. Jim Krause. Jim, are you ready to be real? Ready to be real. Thanks for having me, Travis. It is my pleasure, my brother. I hope you're having a great day today. Uh, And and take us into the business. But before we get into the business, 
Were you always into entrepreneurship and marketing? Were you always curious into like buyer behavior and stuff like that as it leads out to your to your daily life now? Yeah, so I've been doing market research and marketing for several decades. So it's just a passion of mine and uh, it uh, hits on you and what, what my interests are. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a great fit. It's amazing. Talk to me about uh, your journey into this business because- I look at the website, empower your B2B marketing with insightful buyer, uh, buyer personas. Uh, and I was even looking at your uh, your uh, cover page on your LinkedIn, which I love looking at cover pages. Author of the five rings of buyer insights, considered the industry standard for buyer personas, folks, and the insight uh, from the authentic voices of actual buyers. Discover what your prospect customers need to know and experience before they buy. Talk to me about this. What types of businesses do you find that you uh, tend to resonate with most? Or is it all kind of businesses in B2B? Things we're likely going to get into today is just defining what a buyer persona is and what a buyer persona isn't. Um, there's a certain perception of buyer personas and what they are, um, which there's nothing wrong of, wrong with. But there's, uh, there's another definition of buyer personas and a way you can do them that can really impact just about every marketing and sales decision that you make as far insights. Um, so we'll talk about that more, I'm sure. But as a backdrop, the the buyer personas that I think uh, that we'll be talking about today are really ideally suited for any anybody that has a, uh, a job where they're they're trying to influence buyers, where they're involved in high consideration buying decisions. And when I say, I mean, these are decisions that a lot of times they're B two B, not always, but a lot of times they're B two B decisions. They've got multiple decision influencers. There is a lot at stake in the decision. There's as much worry about things going wrong as things going right. Um, it's probably a lengthier buying cycle. So most of the folks that we work with are B2B, but on occasions in the consumer space that are also high consideration. Think about, you know, buying a car. Where do you want to send your kid to school? You know, these are all also high consideration buying decisions. So think high consideration with maybe a little emphasis on B2B. And then, so how do you uh, get to create these buyer personas? I think this is just fascinating. Uh, marketing and sales strategies built with insight into influencers and what the buyers want most. I like that. Uh, I'm curious about this. How, how does that How does that get created? Say for, for social media agency. We, we're a social media agency. We actually work with a lot of small to mid-sized advertising agencies. You know, as their partner, um, less with the big ones because they obviously have usually teams of in-house social media people, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, how does that even start with the buyer persona being created? I'm curious. I mean, I gave you a little insight on, on who they are, but I'm curious where you go from there. Yeah. So let's define what a buyer persona is, right? Because I think everything's going to flow from from that, including right. your question. Your question, right? So. Um, a traditional way, I don't say traditional, uh, the way a lot of folks think about a buyer persona is of a decision influencer, of an individual, of a role, it's a fictional avatar. What are their likes and dislikes? What are their challenges? What are some demographics or firmographic descriptors around them? And, and those aren't terribly useful. So if you're in social or advertising, they may help you a bit as try to figure out where do you aim the arrow in terms of how do you reach these folks? A hell, hell of a lot after that, right? So, if you step back for a minute, you think as a marketer, what are you actually trying to do? You're actually trying to influence a buying decision. At the end of the day, that's what you're trying to do. 
regardless of what it is. So to have just a profile of the of a decision influencer doesn't give you a lot of insight as far as how you impact a specific. So another definition of buyer persona that we can talk about is what I call a buying decision based buyer persona, and what that is is it's developing really deep insights about a specific buying decision. So let's say you um, you uh, sell uh, software, business software, right? right? What you're trying to understand is all the 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 outcomes that from that software you want to know what are the what are the triggers what are these get, getting them starting to look what are their fears and concerns about the per, of that purchase what are the questions they're going to be asking as they figure out who they're going to consider it and evaluate their options and make a decision mm-hmm. and what are all their their buying journey steps right you know and those are the things if you understand the buying decision very specifically you can really work with in terms of figuring not only to use your advertising example not only you know who you should advertise to and might what might resonate with them now you're going to know what are the things i really need to communicate in terms of influencing that decision making them feel confident that i'm the right choice for this right and even like you could spend a million dollars but you get them to your website what what do you want them to do you know what i mean like what do you want that action to happen a lot of times customers want traffic and they want but what does that really entail? Is that a phone call to somebody? Is that an email to somebody? Is that a uh, an application on the website? You know, what's that real end detail? Or is it you know an, an app download? Or is it an e you know ebook sale or an e commerce sale? Because that's the, always the biggest thing too. Is that's what you really want? You really want this uh, you know ad buy? You put in a hundred thousand dollars or a thousand dollars or what it is per day or per month or whatever it is, what the budget is. And you want an outcome, not only of the traffic, but you really kind of want the sale. Let's just be real. And today in modern day uh, advertising, you can do a lot of things with create uh, conversions, with pixels to track the actual users. You can track users that are um, on your website, for instance, with retargeting and then remarket to them, which is, I think, a really good advertising strategy. People that are your hottest prospects, you know, you're on your on your um, your destination. They're on your website advertise them while they're on ESPN or Disney or all the other sites that are willing to take that retargeting money. And, and, but the question is, what is that next message? You know? And I think that that's very, very important to get into. I'm curious in the fears and triggers, because I think that's a big area um, of why people don't even move forward with the next steps, which are obviously question you reaching out next that, you know, someone basically comes to you they, you know, they see your, your advertising, they click on it, which is a big, big win. Let's just be real. That's a big win in the first step because we are inundated with ads that we don't have to click on, that we don't need to see, that we can just skip through that, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I, I'm, I'm here now. I'm at your at your your destination. The triggering and fears, I think what causes us from then going, hey, I want to go buy this or, hey, I want to go reach out to that next step, questions, answers. And 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 get me into that because I'm curious. Uh, are there common fears and triggers among all industries in B two B? Yeah. So let me answer that question by stepping back for and talking about two things, right? Because you've hit on you hit on a couple of really important things. One is that you know there are different stages in the buy, right? So one of the things that let me we have basically five areas of insight that that we advocate as far. as buyer persona. Mm-hmm. And these insights can help you at different stages, right? right? So I'm going to get to your fears and concerns in a minute, because that's really, really important at a certain stage. So the five that we advocate, one is called we call priority initiatives. And priority initiatives are simply the triggers. The, those are simply the reason somebody's even at your website to begin with. Why are they even looking to begin right. with? 
Right. The second one we call hired outcomes, benefits. What do they need to get out of this investment, this purchase, right? So those two are great for, you know, top of the funnel, as they say, stuff, right? If you, you want to hit on those from a messaging standpoint, from a communication standpoint, because then then your browser will say like, hey, I'm I'm in the right place, right? I'll keep looking further, right? Right. Now right. you get down to the, to the third. Stage three. This is where it started getting heat. This is where it started getting the, the, the sweat coming. Here we go on this one. Exactly. Exactly. So you want to, you, you know, it's great to get them to that point, but you want to keep them going. You want them to keep saying like, okay, they get me. They really understand me. They know what I want. They know what I'm worried about. They know um, all the questions I'm going to ask, right? So that's where you want to go with them. So the third area of insight we call um, are fears and concerns that buyers have. Mm-hmm. And if it's a high consideration buying decision, you can be assured that they will have them right? right? because either a, they've been using something for a while and maybe it's not perfect and that's why they're looking, but hey, they've been using it, right? They're not making any additional investment for it. So, you know, why move off the status quo? And that's a huge, huge impediment, right? So in your buyer persona, you don't want to be guessing at what those are. There's no reason to guess. You should find out what those are. Right. The fourth area is decision criteria, which is all the questions that your buyers are going to be asking as they figure out who they're going to consider and more importantly, who they're going to, how they're going to evaluate what they ultimately do. Mm. So perceived barriers and decision criteria, right. those are, and they're, you know, as you know, using your analogy, what are some things that you really want to be connecting with them very quickly? Because they're looking, they're confused. They're looking at a lot of options. They're trying to compare different things. Um, if you can really resonate with them very quickly and very specifically, you're going to give them confidence in you, right? Mm. They get me, they can offer what I have, right? That's what you want. Right. So those, those five areas is buyer's journey and buyer's journey will tell you, um, you know, they're a typical buying journey for this particular product service. It'll tell you who are the key influencers. It'll tell you all the information sources you they trust. So the buyer's journey is a great way to figure out where do you find them, right? And then where where do you need to be in terms of when they're going to points and information to make their decision, where are they going to be, right? Because you want to be there too. That's that's amazing. Look, I always got notes, but look at my dude. I already got a whole page of notes already. Or, or, already, And we're already just getting started here. Uh, so right now, what do you think are the biggest uh, you know, barriers or, or issues that people are when they come to you as a business? Because people are coming to you uh, asking you, hey, can you help me out? What are some of their, their common concerns right now? Concerns uh, buying using this buyer persona approach or concerns? Well, just in it? general, like why are they? Why do you think they're using the Buyers Institute uh, in general? Like why when they come to you? Oh, you, okay, yeah, yeah. And yeah I mean, I, main, I'm curious because in general, in this marketplace, it's a you know, it's a changing, evolving marketplace. Yeah, the the primary reason they've been doing just isn't isn't working, and, and they just don't have the insights they need to really use their investment dollars from a marketing and sales standpoint. You know to the best that they can. They just don't have the insights. They're making things up. Right. So, right. You know, analogy would be, you know, you're in a, you're in, you're in, in corporate headquarters, wherever you are, if you're, you're a smaller business and you're trying to figure what should I, what should my messaging be? How should I position this? Where should we be? And you're, you're, you may not be completely guessing, but you're making some bold assumptions because you just don't know. Right. right. And you may have a buyer persona, but the buyer persona you have is just a profile of a of an individual in the decision process. And that's not going to take you very far. Right. Because once you get to these later stages where they're really. You need more information to do that. And you really can't afford to miss. Right. Because 
if you don't connect with them quickly or you're saying everything that everybody else is saying because they're making the same guesses because they're all right. look, everybody's looking at the same thing right you're just going to be in in the white no, noise abyss right mm. you're not standing out in any any meaningful way so most of the time when folks come to us they are looking it's that will inform very specific things that they're looking to do from a marketing and sales perspective and they feel like they need these foundational insights to make really smart decisions um, and those are, you know, those are our favorite folks to work with because they have an appetite for it right. uh, and they have a real curiosity to understand the voice of the buyer because your buyer is, they're the ones going through it. And if you can help them connect that, it's only going to help their marketing be more effective. Bottom line, yeah. you're going to come in and they're going to be like, wow, you're a rock star because they've never been spending time on that. The uh, other. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I mean, I think it's it's that. Does it take a long time once you have a customer working with you to figure out how long that buyer persona is, or do you do a bunch of market research? How does that process work just to even get them? The so it's um, it, the way you want to do it is you want to you want to do interview recent buyers. Um, that's mm. the way you want to develop your buyer persona. And what I mean by recent buyers is these are not your current customers necessarily it's okay if you interview some of your current customers that's fine right but and they're not your sales force you can get input from both those folks and that's recent buyers are those that have literally made the exact same buying decision that you are trying to influence in the past six to 12 months right so these are people that have literally gone through the exact thing that you're trying to influence and the reason it's so important that you don't just interview your own customers and you find uh buyers that have maybe bought this from a competitor or maybe they looked at you, maybe they did. Right. Important is because you're trying to develop a buyer persona for the market, right? These are people you want in your sales pipeline. So if you're just talking to your current customers and Salesforce, they'll have inherent biases. It'll be a narrow view, right? right. So if you interview recent buyer, broader perspective, now you've got a really objective source. And the beauty of these buyer personas, as well as in addition to the five areas we talked about, an abundance of buyer quotes from these interviews. Um, and, and those quotes are magical because they do two mm. things. One is they add instant credibility to persona, right? You start going through it and you have not only the insights, but the buyer quotes, and it becomes very obvious really quickly that hey, these are the folks we're really, we're really trying to target and influence. We got to pay attention to this. Right. Buyer right. quotes are so valuable is that they let you walk in the shoes and in the mind of the buyer, right? It's it's not just some analyst coming up with the insights. It's also let's hear what the buyers have to say, right? How yes. are they talking about? How are they talking about your competitors? Right. How are they talking about the alternatives they're looking at? Right. It, it, it from a marketing standpoint, it just makes you um, literally the biggest thing too. I always remind myself is with like uh, a lot of the marketing has always been done like in surveys and stuff. So it's like rate my company one to five. So when then on the back end, you're just looking at numbers. I mean, we I, I remember doing my marketing statistic class. It was a lot of just statistical numbers and data analysis and, uh, you know, the the uh, the different uh, graphs and tables you would use to compare that to. Now, I know it's changed now. There's a lot of new technology involved in the industry, but I love this idea of just getting the buyer quotes because it's, it, it really resonates, like you said, with the shoes. Of the, you're, you're living in their, their, their moment within a quote and, and and not looking at it just as a number, hey, one to five. How how was your experience? Uh, you're actually mm-hmm. getting into who Travis is and why he liked it in a maybe a sentence or however however that looks. Um, it, it, I'm curious with your business now, with AI, 
is that helping you guys? Are you guys finding ways that ChatGBT and some of these tools can help you guys source data or help you guys scale in, in different ways? Or is that impossible? It's not impossible. It's 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 limiting. There's there's certain plus up to AI. And right. let me talk about this in how we do the interviews and then talk about the AI piece because they they're, they kind of go hand in glove in a, in a way. Right. So the interviews that you want to do are, as you said, they're not surveys, right? We're not trying to put a list in front of somebody and have them rate and rank. Um, there, is a, there is a place for that. I always advocate after you do your buyer persona, mm. it's research to validate it or segment it. That's all fine, well, and good. But to get the buyer persona insights initially, these are usually 30 to 40 minute interviews that you want to do they're a little different than a, a what you might think of as a qualitative study. They are um, interviews that more like a journalist would do, where you're gotcha. really your objective is to understand the. All you're trying to do is understand it. There's only one scripted question that we actually ask in the interview, and that's literally the first question where we ask them, "Take me back to the day when you first decided that you needed X, X being whatever it is that gotcha. your uh, buyer persona is focused on, and tell me right. what happened." And you just methodically walk them through so you understand all the five areas of insight we just talked about, right? Right. And the way you so like we'll literally drill down and say, well, you know, how many, how many different providers did you consider? How did you come up with that with that initial list? Right. Um, oh, you say you winnowed them down from eight to five. How did you do that? Mm-hmm. And by having them tell us rather than us feeding them, you know, lists. Right. They identify all the key moments of the truth. They they know all the things that really had an impact really reflective of the things that were most important in their buyer's journey right so that's how you that's how you develop your buyer persona by far the best way to do it awesome. um the the challenge with ai is and we're doing some tests ourselves right now where we're literally doing a buyer persona study where we're interviewing people and we're seeing what we can get from different gen uh, uh gen ai applications we come up with Right. And the challenge is, you know, is a it's not coming from the a you don't know what the source is, <laughs> so right, it's a black right, box. You right, have, right, you right. No idea. <laughs> that's that's the biggest challenge. Yeah, and and it's and you don't know where the boundaries are, right? So we just did a test a couple of weeks ago, um, where we did a buyer persona doing the interviews, where we felt you know really good about the course. And what happens is you'll have some areas where. Uh, a chat GPT or an AI will come up with a whole bunch of different things that are outside of the insights that you collected. So now you've got all this extraneous information that's not applicable. Right. You know, it just comes up with it. It just kind of comes up with it too. It comes up with it. Or the opposite is true, right? Right. They come up with stuff that's a little. So uh, it's, we're going to, we're going to keep a close eye, eye out on AI. And I think everybody is for the obvious reasons. So we're, you know, we're believers in AI, but we have to make sure to see where it can really play a role. So right. And it it right now it doesn't come close to replacing, you know, objective interviews with actual people that went through the buying process. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm just curious how it could help in the um also in the data cuz I know I I did some uh, fun tests where you like copy and paste an Excel spreadsheet of a bunch of data and you kind of ask ChatGPT to summarize this data back to you. And it really did a decent job of kind of taking the data and putting out the key points, letting you know your weaknesses and strengths. And I thought it was kind of fascinating because it did it faster than almost you can think. You know what I mean? Like you literally copied and pasted it in for, there. It was kind of fascinating yeah, for, just to think that, could, that you know, that, that, that tool is available. Yeah, no, no doubt, Travis. I mean, to us, that is the biggest near-term opportunity is the analysis piece of it. Right. So 
we have different ways to analyze interviews that we do pretty efficiently, but we are also looking into is to figure out how do they draw insights. So we're testing different applications. A lot of it's queries and just getting really smart about how you do queries. So, you know, we see a lot of potential there on the analysis of the interviews that, you know, we do, or if if you do your own buyer personas as well. Um, I think that's the nearer term opportunity. And then we'll see what happens with whether they ever get to a point where AI can actually represent the marketplace. Um, I don't think we're, we're there yet. Right. But we'll keep looking. Yeah. I mean, anything that can help us in marketing creative, because surprisingly, folks, everyone thought marketing, um, you know, the uh, the AI was going to go after all these data jobs and things like that. It actually went right after all the creative jobs uh, with the photo opportunity. You can make digital photos. And I was listening to the interview with Sam Altman and uh, Joe Rogan. He was kind of, it's fascinating to listen just to the interviews of the people that created these things and, uh, you know, uh, to where their mindset is and kind of where this is going to go because we're just getting started. And I only use the free version. I know that there's a $20 version where it's really more connected. So, uh, (laughs) I'm scared to get the, 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 the full version. Uh, but, but I, like you said, there's limiting factors on anything, but it's like anything back in the day when we were first getting going on, on, on the business, you have to constantly, as a marketing and advertising industry, just learn about what's going on. And AI is at the tip of everyone's tongue, no matter what industry, no matter what interview, whether you're on the stock market or talking about you know anything. We're, we're seeing that there is some productivity, and I think it only can help in a, um, like you said, in the data analysis area, especially um, summaries of things and brainstorming of things. And, and then it takes the human touch to then you have to take it to the next step. Um, you can't yep. just depend on it completely. But now, my dear, we're about to get into your mind with our top 10. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. Apple or Android? Apple. Apple. Netflix or YouTube? Netflix. Netflix. Uh, Facebook or TikTok? I'm going to age myself here. Facebook. Let's go, Facebook, the OG. Chicken or steak if you're you're thinking about a good meal? Steak. Steak. Let's go. Laptop or smartphone if you have to get out the door right now? Uh, uh, Smartphone. Smartphone. Spotify or Pandora for content or music? Spotify. Spotify. Daniel Ek. That guy's a genius. I think they're eventually Spotify will be YouTube one day too. Mm. Uh, I have a feeling about that. Movies or video games? Movies. Movies. Reading books or listening to books? Reading. Stocks or real estate? Stocks. What's your favorite stock right now? Because the market's a little bit interesting. I don't have a fa- I'm, I don't have a favorite. Do you buy Do you buy into uh, the whole segment of a, of a market, or do you buy specific companies usually when you invest? Well, we do a lot of work in tech, so in tech. Um, but I keep my eye on companies that I feel are really leaning into innovation and getting out to quick starts on new innovations. They're not, you know, trying to take years and years to figure out what their strategy is. They're they're getting in there and just doing it. One that I'm going to maybe look at is Pinterest. I've seen that they're doing big partnerships with Amazon and they're turning Pinterest into like an e-commerce, real big into e-commerce. So it's been always a marketing kind of social media, like click this link and go here. But I think if you turn that consumer base into then just connecting them to Amazon and making more purchases, they got to make more money that way. Uh, right. You know what I mean? And so yeah. it might be a good buy because it's gotten beat up over the years. Uh, mm-hmm. Oceans or lakes, if you're thinking about a, a vacation. 
uh, lakes. What lake would you go to right now if you uh, were, were done working? Hop on the plane. We're out. What, what lake would you go to? Hmm. Probably the Finger Lakes in upstate New York. Ooh, nice. Is that within a driving distance for you or do you have uh, not too far away? Yeah, not too bad. There you go. And when you're waking up in your day, you're getting pumped, Jim. You're getting ready for the day, ready to take on the, the day's challenges. We know as entrepreneurs, many challenges as entrepreneurs. Uh, why do you love being you, my man? Why do I love being me? Yeah. Uh, I just love trying to understand people. So every day what I do is trying to understand and, and you know somebody in some way and what makes them tick. So and then you like understanding people. And in particular, if you like understanding people so that you can help another person or organization do a better job in something they're trying to achieve, right. that's a positive outcome. It's pretty cool. That's what motivates you. That's a, that's the fuel in the rocket ship. Do you have any favorite sports teams? Yankees. Yankees. Any any favorite Yankee? Oh gosh, this is my favorite. One of my favorite Yankees right here. Yogi Berra, Who's right it? there. Yogi Berra. Yeah, Yogi I, Berra with the game bat. With the, yeah, with the like, game used bat, man. Never saw him play. I would love to see him play. I don't know if I have a favorite Yankee. That's a great Sorry. question. I probably have like 20. <laughs> my dude, Aaron Judge, uh, was Fresno State. So he went here to Fresno State, my college here, mm. and then he uh, no one really saw him, and then he just took off in the pros. Like, he never, he wasn't really like, you yeah, know, no, high, he's a highly touted prospect, and he just, you know, took off. Yeah, it's hard not to like that guy, right? I mean, just class act, professional, and he's uh, clean, play his butt off. Right. Yeah, it's uh, it, he's just a good guy. All around great guy. Let's go, Aiden. Hey, Judge, uh, do you think you'll ever retire from the business? Do you think you'll ever retire from entrepreneurship, sure. running a business? <laughs> yeah, I got some bad golf to play in my future. Come Let's on. go. What's your what's your handicap? My handicap? Yeah, he's like, I don't know. <laughs> it's probably 10 right now. Well, that's good. Yeah, it's not bad. You're a good golfer then. Yeah. I'm, de- I'm decent. I'm decent. Yeah. Well, 10's good, man. That's competitive. I mean, that yeah, means it, you could play with pretty much anyone in the world. I mean, if you, you, you play with Tiger big, Woods. Uh, he could, he'd be happy with you at 10. Yeah. Uh, I think Tiger would beat me at 10. The thing, no, no. I, th- I think he'd beat you, but I'm saying I think I think he'd be, you know, he'd be like, all right, my guy Jim's, he's in the ring here. You know what I mean? You're shooting a 30, uh, uh, you know, handicap. He's going to be like, come on, my dude. We're not playing together ever again. Right, right. You know what I mean? 10s are very respectable. Plus, I think that you play better with better golfers. Have you noticed that? Right. Like yeah, you, know, if right. you ever play with good guys, like really good guys, you'll start to play like even better, even though they'll maybe give you some tips, but you just, right. it's a more, you start playing with just your buddies and you're, I mean, you might be the right. best one out there, but you're all kind of going to their average instead right. of yeah, no, them. I think that. if you're playing with Tiger and Dustin Johnson and uh, Jack Nicholson, my dude, I think you'd be, you'd be beating that 10. Uh, I think I'd be a little nervous too, but you'd yeah. be nervous. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I, like, I like your thinking. Take a drink and have a, have a cocktail. We'll be good. No. Uh, how do you start your day? Do you have a routine on how you start your day? Uh, get up. Usually have a couple of black cups of coffee to get the uh, the uh, rocket started, as you would say. Get the juices flowing. Watch a little, uh, watch a little political news, a little sports news. Kind of get nice. revved up that way. Nice. There we go. Uh, and do, when you're doing your interviews, are you finding that you're using Zoom and tools like that to conduct some of these in-person interviews? It's it's much more efficient. Yeah, we use Zoom quite a bit when we do uh, our interviews are usually virtual interviews and Zoom works great. Everybody learned how to use Zoom, right? Became really proficient at it. So right. not everybody, but a lot of people. So for us, it's just a great way to 
make sure that whoever we're interviewing is comfortable getting on, right? There's right. no tech challenges, right? Because they've probably worked those out even in their personal lives. Absolutely. And I found FaceTime too for customers that are into Zoom. You can just pop on the FaceTime and do a FaceTime call and it's very, very efficient too. Yeah. Obviously it's on the phone, but that's even almost a little more personal in a way. Maybe, yeah. maybe, I mean, it feels a little bit more, a little bit more personal even than Zoom does just because of like kind of how the view is, I think. Um, mm-hmm. uh, a couple more last questions here, my dude, before we roll. Is there a skill you're trying to master right now? Something you're trying to get better at? Something you're trying to push yourself at? Yeah, so we have um second edition of the Buyer Personas book is going to be go! out next year. Yeah, it's going to be out next year. And uh, we got to finish the writing uh, in January. So I am honing my book writing skills uh, quite a bit, um, nice. which doesn't sound like a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, it's actually... You do it like in big chunks or do it every day? I know every author kind of has a different strategy on that. Some some people literally lock, lock themselves in a room and do it in one one day or whatever it is, but in chunks is how you do it. Nice. Like so you do like a yeah, period found, or a certain period of time and you give I yourself found is somewhere in the two, three hour mark is usually when you start looking at what you wrote and you're like, oh, that's not really good. Right. <laughs> so you say, maybe I need a break. So right. two or three hour chunks seems to work for me anyway. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Everyone has their own way of they, they create your, your creator when you're writing, you know, it's, it's not, there's not a right way to do it. Uh, uh, what's the uh, most famous, uh, one of the most famous producers in the world. Rick Rubin says, if an artist can just go into the studio and make one sentence that day, they've been successful. So that's the one of the, you know, Rick Rubin is every one of the biggest artists of all time. Beastie boys, Rolling Stone, you know, some of the biggest artists, Eminem, uh, and he and in the creative space, so it's just kind of a motivation. Obviously, in your in your world, you're probably writing more than a sentence, but it kind of gives you that fuel. And then, okay, I got a sentence here. It hopefully flows in. You get a paragraph tomorrow. Uh, but but just that writer's block to not you know put not anything out either is obviously yeah, what, no doubt. Just why people don't do blogs or podcasts. I mean, we've been doing the show now for almost ten years. Many people say they were going to do podcasts and they just give up, you know, because they, they, mm-hmm. they, they, the, the fuel and the motivation is not there for them. They don't see the bigger picture. They don't get the, uh, the ongoing journey. And, uh, and most importantly, like, like a book is you, you get that writer's block sometimes that you have to just kind of push through. Um, and so I always remind myself about the Rick Rubin, whether it's just a recorder show, whatever that action is, the simplest one that you do one day and then you just keep compiling on it the next day and, that's yep. I, I can. How long are the books usually? How many chapters are your books usually? Um, this one will probably be about two hundred and fifty pages or so. So it's, so it's a, a good it's, read, yeah. It's the second edition, so um, right. Just updating the last one, we're just expanding. We think are really important to advance this, you know, the objective of what we're trying to do. So, um, but yeah, it's fun and it's definitely new. I, I, I do a ton of writing. I do a lot of blog writing. Right. Um leadership writing writing for clients but this is a little bit of a different kind of writing so but it's like anything right like once you start doing it you start finding your groove and where your comfort zone is and you just keep momentum and as you said it's just you know pushing that rock one foot up the hill every day and then all of a sudden one day you're at the top of the hill but yeah you got to just keep pushing you got page 249 and you're like oh my god we're almost done baby let's go i see the finish line That'll be exciting. I can't wait. We're not quite there yet, but we're going to be there. My God, Jim, you're going to be there. Uh, Do you have a favorite app or tool that helps you run the business? Do you have a favorite tool that you kind of lean on or app that you like kind of gravitate to that you enjoy that helps you run the business? We use uh, calendar software a lot, which sounds terribly boring, but it's it's amazing how we have so many 
meetings interviews, with clients, right. meetings with interviewers, scheduling our interviewers to do interviews. It's uh, I don't know what we would do with that. So do you use like Calendly? It makes our life so much easier. Do you use like a Calendly or something like that, like a scheduling we, software that allows the people to kind of schedule on their own time and things like we that? Use, we use OneHub. OneHub, um, yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. They're all the same. So, all I the- mean, there's others, but OneHub has worked for us very well the last couple right. of years. Right. So. Yeah, no, I mean, just a scheduling tool is so efficient too. That's another real nice innovation. Just think about it. Two, three years ago, you had to you know, sit there and go back and forth with customers. What time works for you? What time works for me? Let me check my schedule. Hey, no worries. Right. Check your schedule. Book it when you want. It works with my schedule. I'm there. Boom. We're done. Uh, couple last questions, my dude. If you could sit down for a steak dinner with anyone, who would you want to sit down with today? Oh, gosh. Who would I want to? Probably my dad. Oh, nothing like pops, huh? The OG. I'm, mm-hmm. I, I try to walk with my dad as much as I can because I know that life is short and uh, I try to take in all that knowledge, you know, to, to share it with my son. Hopefully one day. Oh, I do. I do share with him, but I don't walk with him yet. But uh, he's only he's only two years old. But uh, <laughs> we're, we're working on that. We're working on it. Uh, is there a book that has changed your life or a book that you either reread or kind of sticks to your soul? Well, I'll tell you a book that I just read that I that's I've found really useful. Yeah, so I just read the uh, Jolt Effect about the four Jolt or five effect. months ago. Ooh. The Jolt Effect, and I forget the name of the two authors, but it incredible uh, data analysis on, on over a million sales calls during COVID. Um, they, and it was it was kind of a point in time where because everything was online and virtual, a lot of data was actually captured from these sales calls. And they were able to uncover all these really useful insights around the buying decision. So one of the most important ones was around how much indecision there is in, in among buying uh, decision makers and how often they stick with status quo and how a lot of the you know traditional ways to overcome objections doesn't work and the reasons why. And we could talk, we could have a whole conversation about this, but I would say that that's the book that's been really useful in terms thinking about the next edition of our book right the jolt effect that's cool i'm gonna have to check that one out i always love learning about new books i I think that's fascinating and then talk about your business my guy where is the best place for us to send them i have the website up right now but i was just curious is it the uh, buyerpersona.com is that the best one yeah so if you go to buyerpersona.com there's all kinds of info there's we have a lot of blogs up there we talk a little a lot about the different um the different areas of insight that you want in your buyer persona. A lot of things we just talked about today give you more information there. Um, for those that are interested in developing a buyer persona, like the ones we've been talking about today, there's a master class that you can take. It's a self-paced online class. Oh, so really? you can figure out, you know, all the agree actually do it. Um, so yeah, so stop by there. And then, yeah, please, you know, uh, reach out to me on LinkedIn. We've got a newsletter, a buyer persona buzz newsletter, and I'm always putting stuff out there and I love engaging with people around not just buyer personas, but anything to do with B2B marketing and the buying decision. I, I love to engage with folks. Let's go, my guy, Jim. I got a whole page page full of notes now on you. Uh, I'm creating my own buyer persona on my guy, Jim, right here. Let's go. He <laughs> <laughs> said, yeah, you don't go. know me. Uh, no, but most importantly, also, folks, go check out the resources tab. I found that also to be really, really useful. I'll also put that in the show notes. They have buyer persona templates, advice from your peers, 
uh, how to create a buyer persona, gap analysis, just cool, cool tools on there. I always love checking out the resources tab on businesses. So thank you for creating that, my guy, Jim. Thank you so much for your time today, folks. You've been hanging out with your boy, Travis Tutal and Huff and Mr. Jim Krause. We want to thank you again for your time and let's keep being real. What's another epic episode and uh, if you enjoyed the episode today can you please do me a favor and subscribe to our podcast the be real show on itunes or your favorite podcast platform and also take a little time today if you don't mind and give your boy t huff a review i would really super appreciate it and thank you so much for listening today